Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Drew Freeman and Susanna Skyer-Gupta. Thanks, Ray. This is the RayWenderlich.com podcast. Welcome to episode seven for season 12. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, the 26th of January, 2022, for release on the 9th of February. This episode is sponsored by Community and Cooperation, and we mean that seriously. I'm your host, Drew Freeman, with my co-host, Susanna Skyer-Gupta. Thanks, Drew. This episode, we'll talk with Paul Hudson, who is the productivity powerhouse behind Hacking with Swift. Paul has written over 20 books, put together so many free articles, courses, live coding sessions, conference talks. He's a proud member of the Swift and iOS development community, and we're so glad he's here. Paul, as I have said, is an honor. Welcome to the show. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I try to keep up with your videos on top of everything else that I try to keep up on. I was actually watching your uh, your your one that dropped today on on the particles with Swift UI. Mm. Mm, um, yeah. And Sophie's colored animation. Actually, I should start out by asking you, how is the family all through uh, COVID and everything else that's going on? How is being locked down? So l- last year, I've lost track now, 2019. Yeah, two years ago now, uh, 2020, 20 years ago, uh, the first like <laughs> major lockdown, the first like variant that mm-hmm. came out, whatever that was, original variant. That's when it was all homeschooling. And uh, that was quite stressful, you know, four months at home with my kids. <laughs> I love them very much, but they need to go to school at some point. Um, so that was quite stressful, but now it's kind of back to normal more or less now as in like they're at school every day you know they wear masks we wear masks and stuff but it's it's at least a normal family life and that's just nice to have how old are how old are the kids so my eldest sophie is 11 she's about to turn 12 and my youngest is uh, lottie and she's eight and so and they're the kids, same two straws two dogs <laughs> uh, <laughs> no they're in the same school but there's two sites which Sophie very much enjoys um, <laughs> she just turned into I guess grade 7 um, and that means they go to a high school and that means there's now a gap between her and little sister because it's not cool having a little sister around and giving her hugs <laughs> at lunchtime and stuff and so they have space which she likes very much and you have two drop offs yeah, it's fractionally more work, but it, it, we have a little pep talks in the morning. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the Netflix Shira remake, and we play Ooh, yeah. the theme song to that as we're arriving at the song. You know, the We Are Warriors song. That's the one. It's a great song. That's a little pep talk in the morning. It was a really oh, great redo of the series. It was very affirming on so many levels. Yeah, they did so many things at the same time all in the same show, which is very, very hard to do. Not only was it, of course, beautiful and faithful to the story, but things like, um, uh, they had a non-binary character in mm-hmm. the show. And one of the tiny, tiny little wonderful things in there, that even Hordak, who for non-Shira fans is the, the, the real baddie in the show, mm-hmm. even Hordak uses the correct pronouns for the non-binary mm-hmm. character. So even this evil, evil bad person <laughs> over here can still use the correct pronouns. So small things like that scattered through the whole show made it just a lot of yeah, fun to watch. It, it, oh, it's it's wonderful. This. Um, <laughs> Do it. Forget the podcast. Come watch Shira. <laughs> and now we'll have to put that in the sh- and now we'll have to put those in the show notes. <laughs> um so you have been remote for a while now. Not just from the podcast. Uh, not for the podcast. Not just from the pandemic. Yeah, so folks all say, you know, how did you find working from home? And I'm like, well, I kind of work from home anyway. Um so it didn't really change 
life at all. Obviously, having kids around the house and doing homeschooling and stuff changed a lot, but it wasn't too hard for me. That doesn't mean it's perfect, you know. I, I mm-hmm. obviously don't travel. I don't go to conferences at all and haven't right. done for a while. And so I kind of miss that. I miss it a lot, in fact. And uh, I know it's looking a bit shaky this year for Dub Dub 22 being in person, but I'm yeah. hopeful. I'm still hopeful. Hope against hope. That might happen because I just miss my friends, you know. I'm going to see them and hang out and chat about Swift and stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, it's that whole tier of I'm hopeful that they have it in person. I'm hopeful that I snag a ticket. I'm hopeful I can find people that I know there. I'd be happy just to be in the vicinity. Just go and yeah. just go to San Jose and just hang out with my friends. You go to uh, so in the, you go to in the Bay Area, you know. You go to Altconf, yeah, Altconf, or layers, or honestly, right. just just going and chatting to folks at coffee and dinner and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a, a real buzz with or without a ticket. So I, yeah, I, I, I would go regardless. I'm very glad that they've gone back to San Jose. A lot of people don't remember that it had been in San Jose decades ago. Oh, I they, actually didn't realize that. That it. And then they moved I to San Francisco. In, okay, because I thought of it as being at Moscone and then, then moving to San Jose. So it was in San Jose originally? It was in, well, I don't know if it was originally San Jose, but I know that it, it was in San Jose a, a few decades back before San Francisco. And that yeah. was back when there was no lottery because, you know, that was back <laughs> when Apple was in its dark times. Apple were calling people saying, please come to WWDC, please. Uh, it the, was a uh, the, complete inversion. I, I often joke that the swag one year was a clear Lucite backpack. We used to refer to it as Barbie Goes Software Developing. Um, <laughs> and it was hilarious because it was like, here's all your non-disclosure information and non-disclosure software in this clear backpack. In this clear backpack. <laughs> nice. So when do you think we'll know? Because we're at, we're mid-January now and just talking about like, okay, like the experience, like, oh, if I don't get a ticket to DubDub, I'll be at AltConf and I'll be at Layers. And, you know, so which means all, we're presupposing then all three of them would be live. When would I, we know? I, I think what'll happen is Apple will wait to the last possible minute before making mm-hmm. a call. Because to them, it's irrelevant. The cost doesn't doesn't make a the difference in no. any difference at all for the money. Yeah. Um, so they'll wait for the last minute. But the the problem is that when they say yes, let's say March is looking good, they say yes in March, anything can happen in April, anything can happen in May. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that sort of scare of do you want 5,000 people to be very mm-hmm. angry about their plane tickets being useless... So I think it's going to be a no this year, which is a real yeah, shame. I, I, I keep saying that as much as I'm hoping that Omicron will have passed us on, I'm not necessarily disbelieving that Upsilon isn't waiting around the corner. Right. Yeah, there's whole stacks more Greek letters to come. Yeah, uh, no one wants to hear, like, Omega variant. That sounds terrifying, like a thriller novel or something, you know? So well, I, I, I hope still they have. Well, the whole I, thing I, has been like that. I, I hope they have the Omega variant to say, yes, we think this is the last one. <laughs> the last, last, final, final, truly, no, I mean it this time, realsies for final one, two. <laughs> dot, dot. So, so, Paul, is, is hacking with Swift now basically the number one process in your life, or do you still have day engineering? So none of it is my number one process in life. You know, I, I've got family and kids to look after, and they're, they're much I love Swift. They're significantly more important in my life. That's wonderful um, to hear. It, it is my full-time job running Hacking with Swift. Um, the, the site numbers have just gone through the roof over the last sort of three years. Mm-hmm. Um, right and that's great. I'm really glad to do it. Uh, I still have apps that I maintain and, 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 and work with. Um, the, the, the ones that may be the most money app-wise mm-hmm. 
I don't touch anymore. I haven't got time, quite frankly. There's other things to worry about. Um, but they still sit on the app store and still somehow make sales every month, despite not being changed in five years. Okay, so I was actually looking that up because um, I used to be the product manager for a line of educational apps, and cool. we made a Latin app that was Ooh. nowhere near as good as your Latin app, and mm. which is your, your Latin app is the definitive Latin app in the app store. And I was wondering, so do you still maintain it or is that what you're thinking of? No, as the, no yeah. I, I, I literally, it's been, it doesn't even run on iPhone 10 size device. I mean, it runs, but you get the sort of the black barring oh. on the top and bottom. It's designed for the seven was the last, I think, pre-10. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it has not been touched in five full years now. And it, it shipped, I don't know, 11 years ago originally, just for me. That's the way I think all good apps start. I've got this itch I want to scratch to solve mm-hmm. my right. problem. I want, want to read for folks listening. I'm a big classicist. Latin and Greek are a big thing for me. Uh, so I wanted to read Latin and Greek on the move. Yeah, and this is a truly comprehensive app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I want to read Latin and Greek on the move. That's how it started out. And then turns out with one and a half billion folks in the app store. Um, I am not a beautiful and unique snowflake. There are lots of other folks out there who also want to read Latin on the move. And it turned out a lot of uh, actually American private schools, like Catholic schools, right. they want to teach their kids Latin and they give them all iPads and they just buy a hundred at a time, buy a hundred copies and bang, it's done. So I made this app for me and made it 10 or 11 years ago and it's paid for our mortgage ever since. It's, it's done Fabulous. extraordinarily well. Um, so that was a real stroke of luck. What is it like, the surprise to see an app that you just do for an itch, go out there and then come back and say, no, look, I'm rewarding. Well, what is the feeling like there? Um, I think it's it's very hard to judge, and this is true for everything I do, sadly. Um, we spend our time staring at a screen or staring at a webcam for me a lot of the time, mm-hmm. right? Talking away to a YouTube audience. And I can be on YouTube streaming stuff and there's 500 folks watching, but I'm just in my room with my dogs and my webcam mm-hmm. and I've got no idea. There's no feeling of audience or community or anything when I'm doing it. It's quite hard to do sometimes. And the same is true of the App Store. You just kind of upload to this anonymous App Store Connect site and, and magic happens and, and a check gets written to you every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't ever um, really think about the app's success. It has done very, very well. It is, as Susanna said, the, the, the standard for graduate or undergraduate university students and many high schools use it. But... You know, it's it's just so uh, abstract for my day-to-day job. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. touring universities, doing, giving lectures on the app, you know? <laughs> so it's all very abstract. And I just get a check from Apple every month, which is very nice. So that's let, wonderful. Let's back you up to, were you a CS major undergraduate? I was. I was one of those really very tedious people who uh, sort of decided at age 12 or something that they wanted to do computing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the UK, uh, we have our first major exams at 16 mm-hmm. and then a second set at 18. This is what Harry Potter is based on, the, the owls and the other one. Um, 16, 18, then 21 is your degree. So it's 16 computing science, 18 computing science, 21 computing science. So just more and more laser focused on just doing complete computing science. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was, I guess, helpful for me to do that. I didn't really pay attention during class. I skipped final exams at university, still passed with the flying colors, but skipped final exams. I just didn't really care. Uh, and then uh, it took me five, six years to unpick that, to start to realize, hey, I've 
kind of like a blinkered horse, cut off all this wonderful, interesting, beautiful things in the world. I had to slow, slowly widen my horizons and undo the laser focus. So yeah, this short version of your question. Yes, CS, CS major. Uh, <laughs> then came to spend a lot of time unpicking that and undoing it, if that makes sense. So did you come to iOS by way of Objective-C or by Swift? Yes, yeah, so I did my first iOS app for iPhone OS 3.1. And I remember exactly because uh, the very first app I made, um, I, I made a mistake with Xcode. I didn't really get Xcode at the time. I targeted at iOS 3.1.2. Right, precisely. And so it just came out 3.1.2 and folks didn't have it. And like, hey, and so what happened? And they couldn't, they had 3.1.1. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> this makes no sense. It's so annoying. Um, <laughs> didn't, did not make that mistake again, that's for sure. Um, but that was 2010, nine? I forgot when it was, it was quite a while ago. Um, and it's been a bit of a, a bit of a rush since then of ideas and creation and stuff. But yeah, Objective-C. And then obviously Apple came out with Swift and everybody was sort of thrown back for a loop or was it not as much of a surprise for you um well it was a surprise i had no idea at the time what was coming i didn't talk to anyone at apple at all um i i think most folks who had spent significant time with a bit to see you know more than a year mm -hmm. uh, eventually grew to love it right uh, and whether that's Stockholm syndrome or genuine attraction <laughs> to the language, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was, uh, the first Objective C I wrote was vicious, like proper mm -hmm. against the Geneva Convention level of Objective C, um, because I was still writing it like I was writing C. I was abusing right. it terribly. Um, I got better over time, <laughs> I should say. Um, but it, it, I really liked it. I felt very comfortable in Objective C, and of course, the the language itself isn't really the power feature. It's it's the the UI kit and the core graphics and the, the, right. around the, the, right. the, the real power. And so I felt at the time, you know, I could just make sparks fly with UI kit or core image or whatever, and had a lot of fun with it. And I could build some wonderful, wonderful programs. We, we made a lot of money with that. And then when Swift happened. I jumped day one. I read the entire book on day one, from start to finish, and started asking questions immediately, started using it immediately, and switched over immediately. I, I shipped my first app, again, <clears throat> not updated. Um, still on the app store, I think, actually, that one. Um, for iOS 8, was a Swift, first Swift release, was 7, was it supported, I think, but 8 was the first release that came out, I think, mm -hmm. roughly. Um, and that's still there today. It was a... a, a action extension for Safari to do view source. And mm. it was very popular. And that's written in Swift I was one, just looking one. at that one. <laughs> yeah, Swift 1. So that's really, really not going to build even fractionally anymore. And it oh. wouldn't even migrate. You've got to extol that Xcode 10 to migrate to Swift 2, then Swift 3, then Swift 4. Not going to happen. <laughs> and then, of course, Swift so 3 came along and everybody had a, had time converting well, I, I I remember very clearly advising folks. I, I, I was writing for Swift immediately. I, I launched Hacking with Swift the same year Swift was announced. And I said to folks, listen, if, if you are currently using Objective-C, if you are using UIKit and whatever, um, you can wait until Swift stabilizes. Because if they were really clear, Apple on stage, it's going to change. It's going to change a lot. We'll provide tools to convert it. They were really, mm -hmm. really clear. Um, and I said to folks, listen, you can wait. You can wait X years until it stabilizes to the point you can switch. I wouldn't recommend it because if you get on this ground floor now, you build the experience now, and yeah, things are going to change, but it's easier to move from 
in that case turned out Swift 1 to Swift 1.2 or, or 2 to 2.2 or whatever. Um, he used to move those little hops because it was originally Swift 1 and Swift 2 were very, very similar to Objective-C. The same long methods name, you know, mm-hmm. string by replacing, substring, whatever, was exactly there uh, in Swift. And so you could move across from UIKit to Swift very, very easily. And then when Swift 3 happened, and of course it's changed a lot even more since then, um, the cost of moving across to Swift grew significantly. Mm-hmm. And so I have no regrets about jumping ship to Swift immediately because it made my life way easier later on. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that, and I'm, I think you've answered this in what you just said, but I'm not sure. So, so is that a general piece of advice you would say when there's a major new thing that comes out? Jump on it, like uh, read wow. all the instructions <laughs> that no, moment, no, no, and then no, 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 no. spin up your business, Absolutely drop not. your website, and and just go for it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I do not endorse this message. <laughs> um, no, so two things. Firstly, I am deeply pragmatic about my technology choices. Like people say, hey, Paul, is your website written in Swift? No. <laughs> it's, written in Swift. It's, written, it's written in PHP on MySQL, the most boring technology I can imaginable because it's designed to be stable and website. fast and efficient, and I don't want to care about it. Right tool for the right job. Vapor has changed every year since Vapor 1. You know, it's changed to 2 and 3 and 4. They keep on changing and breaking and fixing. I don't want to think about that. I want to get the site up and publish my words and my videos. That's the job of the site. Boring. And so I have a lot of a lot of the time for folks who don't want to choose interim technology. So no, don't switch just because it's going to switch. That's one side. The other side is that when Apple make a choice, they stick with it. I remember the, the MacBook Pro previous keyboard, right? It took mm-hmm. them a few mm-hmm. years to acknowledge, uh, maybe this isn't the optimal keyboard for our professional mm-hmm. lab of Macs here. Um, and so they, they stick with it. And then the Touch Bar most recently is another example. They go several years. So either they were going to launch Swift and really, really try very hard to make it work, ultimately making it work, or um, people would just move across a different different platform. They weren't going to do like a six-month Swift, oops, sorry, back to Objective-C again. That wasn't going to happen. As we learned, it became increasingly clear why Objective-C had been evolving so quickly, suddenly, out of nowhere, like, you know, 30 years of not a lot, quite frankly, and suddenly, oh, we've got we've got blocks now, we've got all this uh, fancy auto-releasing stuff, and, and um, Merry Management first for Swift. Uh, Arc, why? And then, well, okay, Swift was happening. And so they'd been moving towards Swift for a while. The investment was huge. Mm-hmm. And so it was never going to go away. It was an uh, easy choice. So, so, of course, now I have to ask you this. Is Combine a permanent thing or is it a temporary thing in your general view? Because Combine came out very alongside Swift UI, but it came out separate. They, they showed you Combine, uh, Combine UI, uh, sorry, they showed you combine examples, and they showed you Swift UI examples, and they didn't really bring those together initially. Mm. And then two, three years later, it's like, well, here's uh, async await. Yes, you're right. Um, Apple had been working combined for a long time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a 
January of, of 2019, hey, let's make a mine. It was, yeah. I think, seven, eight years in the making in various mm-hmm. forms and various shapes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It took them a long time to get something working uh, they were happy with and then chip the thing. And so uh, there is no way uh, it is going to be temporary. I would say, yes, of course, many of the use cases have disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, but by far, it's not all. And so um, some of the really powerful things you can do with combine mm-hmm. that that are, 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 are not beautiful combines a bit a bit um horny in places but difficult in places um but it's a bit uh it's still beautiful i think generally the idea mm-hmm. things oh, yeah. like you know networking try this thing retry it three times use debouncing mm-hmm. decode this thing whatever and replace the error with this um it's it is the kind of thing you'd do imperatively and, and it would be a lot of work and not very pleasant and you'd waste a lot of time doing it. And so Combine makes that kind of thing really, really easy. Beautifully easy. Even with async await, Combine's still a better solution uh, to say, you know, retry three times, debounce it. Just doing that takes mm-hmm. some thinking. Interesting, okay. And so, yes, vast amounts of it have become less useful, if not redundant with async await um, but there's still a whole sway of things that combines very very good at so let's take that last step and we've we've gone through you know we've gone through objective c we've gone to swift talked a little bit about combine and then all of a sudden swift ui comes out and i was very privileged to be at wwdc that year when combine and swift ui were both announced what was your react your initial gut reaction to swift ui I think it's one of those things where you're trying to figure out very quickly what it is. I don't mean like specifically what APIs have announced or mm-hmm. um, what's going to change or the roadmap, whatever. I mean, literally, what have they announced? Mm-hmm. Because Apple have um, the reality distortion field. <laughs> yeah. And you want to poke through that fairly quickly and say, okay, what do we actually have? And so you look at the documentation, which on day one was suboptimal <laughs> something yeah something suboptimal um and you're like okay i still don't know what they're announced here i can't see a lot going on uh, and so you download xcode uh and you start poking around as fast as you can xcode 11 is just trying to figure out what it does and how it works and what it so what its limits are is what i, I guess is the question what mm-hmm. does it do what does it really do and you know back then um there were no collection views <laughs> you know you could make tables of stuff and stuff and that was nice and so um it was my initial reaction was literally what can i do what can i have to, with, poke it again 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 to get an idea of the sort of the boundaries in which i'm working uh and then just having fun because it, it it still is a lot of fun but in those early days you're like I can just make so many things in four lines of code five lines of code mm-hmm. and it kind of brought back the sort of 17 uh, year old me poking around joy kind of coding um, having a lot of fun and it's, I still have that of course WI does is remarkable the things like refreshable and searchable we had more recently um you can do wonderful things in a few lines of code. And I still love that. But those early days were like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. Oh, wow, that's clever. <laughs> again and again and again. Backed up by, why is there no documentation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the documentation was uh, was a bit confusing. And I think I had just one too many pieces of avocado toast giving 
as examples of, <laughs> of what you could do with it. They just, I, I think that was the one thing that, that really was very difficult was that they, uh, they showed us the, the, the UI and how it could all be assembled. And then they said, and now there's a model that's attached to it that we've already taken care of and we're not gonna necessarily show you. But yeah. it'll talk to everything and it'll just work. And I'm like, but I need, Classic that, dub dub DC. I need that information. <laughs> Important code dot swift in the navigators that all the codes in there somewhere. It's not, let's skip over that and focus on the bit that really works. Right. <laughs> well, I guess the natural question here then is: Is it ready for prime time? Is it is now the time? It does seem like now is the time where if you are new and want to learn iOS development, you learn Swift UI before you learn UI Kit. But what if you actually okay. want to program something? Why well, do you write it in? I, I want to disagree with your basic premise there, Susanna. Sorry. <laughs> okay, go the, for it. The, the best time to learn Swift UI was two years ago. The second best time is now. <laughs> um, because, you know, there are, it's one of those things like with Swift and Swift UI now. It was a genuine reset. And in fact, in some respects, uh, a harder reset than the move from Objective-C to Swift. Because I feel Interesting. pretty sure now, having seen many, many hundreds of thousands of folks come to me with on the, on the site to look at Swift stuff and Swift UI stuff, um, the, the transition from UIKit to Swift UI is harder than someone coming from nothing to Swift UI, if that makes sense. Right. Because mm -hmm. they've got to yeah, unlearn. That totally like, makes sense. Yeah. Where's my delegate? Where's my target action? How do I subclass my view? Well, you just you just don't do any of those things. None of the, this. No, no, no. No, no. That's what it's, that's what it's like. And, and it's it's hard. And I still get emails from folks saying, how do I use the coordinator pattern in Swift UI? And I get it. We had a bunch of problems you know, we have to solve these problems in UIKit. How do we solve them? We do this, we do this, we do this, da, da, da. and then when they work, you want to sort of schlep them into SwiftUI and use them here. And that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. It's a whole different way of building software. And if you try and import all the good practices into this other thing, you'll have a bunch of bad practices. And so uh, I think the best time to learn genuinely was two years ago because it was a complete reset. Folks now say, I have two and a half years of Swift UI experience. And that counts towards you getting the next job you want, want to try and get. And, mm -hmm. and make no mistake, folks, people are now hiring aggressively for oh, Swift yeah. UI because teams really, really want to use it. They're sick of writing. It's like in the early days of Swift, it was like, should we migrate to, to Swift or stick with Objective-C? And, uh, and the team's like, could we please use Swift? Swift's cool, we're gonna use Swift. And, and uh, I remember managers saying things like, you know, if you wanna go to Swift, you can do it, but you've gotta write a unit test for it. And that was their little, the little bait. <laughs> you could have Swift, <laughs> but you gotta write a unit but, test. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so it was a little sweetener that you could have Swift um, and that worked really well. And so teams really wanna use Swift UI. They really wanna mm. use Swift UI. It's a lot of fun. They can see that ship sort of sailing slowly and they wanna get on that boat while they can. And so it's moving right. very, very fast. And so, so many big companies, I, I can't say sadly yeah, because it's, of email personally, but I know massive, huge companies are all hiring Swift UI now. Not all, sorry. Yeah. They're, aggressively hiring Swift UI now. My day job is a contractor for a Fortune 100 company, and I can tell you that, you know, everything is beginning to be done in Swift UI at this point. And, you know, it, it's not the small indie companies. It is these large monolithic ships that are turning 
you know, much faster on a dime than you would expect. That's really good to hear. Yeah, because they they value they value productivity, they value stability, they value testability. They do a lot of things that SwiftUI brings to the table about simplicity. They kind of want that. You could spend less time literally typing out vast amounts of UI kit code. Like I remember asking someone, "Hey, um, could you make me a one of these new iPad sidebar style apps? Mm-hmm. You know, with a the new sidebar design." Um, mm-hmm. In, in UIKit, and I'll do it in SwiftUI. And in SwiftUI, it was, you know, three lines of code. And in UIKit, it was a lot of code. Because mm-hmm. you can't use UI table view for that, because UI table view does not support that. You've got to use a UI collection view working in table view mode if you want the sidebar thing, obviously. And so this <laughs> creates this world of pain. And you've got to use the whole new UI collection view, cell registration stuff. Um, it's much, much harder these days to do very simple things in UIKit. And so you can hire a developer to spend three days doing that, plus get it right first time, or Hey, it's kind of baked in SwiftUI. Oh, you're done. Let's do documentation. Let's do testing. Let's do localization. Let's do accessibility. Let's do all the other things you got to do as well as just making the UI work correctly. So, let's let let's bounce back from the actual technologies and ask where did the idea or the the the, the first seeds of hacking with Swift come from? So, I can tell you exactly. I probably got it in the corner somewhere down there. Um, I used to work as a magazine editor um, doing magazines, um, bizarrely Linux magazines. That was my area of specialty. And uh, we used to run coding tutorials every month. That's how I joined the magazine. I used to write PHP tutorial in 2001 or 2002 or something for them. And uh, they were, had a position open. I took the position. I joined the company wrote full-time in the magazine and I ended up doing a lot of coding tutorials for them because it's just a lot of fun and it was like hey let's try some python let's try some ruby let's try some whatever just having fun with it platforms and apis and languages just making stuff and having a lot of fun <laughs> i ended up running this um was, we called them bookazines back then but special one-off magazines that were thicker than average mm-hmm. and it was called paul hudson's coding academy and it was 18 projects for uh c-sharp uh, targeting SDL, uh, the simple direct media layer. Mm-hmm. So simple 2D graphics using uh, mono on Linux plus C-sharp. It's quite a specific niche area, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And the idea was make an app, make a game, learn technique, make an app game, that learn a technique. And it was very popular. People really enjoyed just coding stuff. And they said, oh yeah, I've kept the magazine. I'm keeping it for the summertime. My kids are off school. We're going to make these games together and have a lot of fun. And that was great. Uh, and so uh, I really enjoyed that. And so uh, pretty much thieved that idea. <laughs> I'm going to make a bunch of projects and have fun making them and show you how to do things uh, in practice. You know, really put your ideas into practice. And that's the fundamental concept. It's evolved a lot since then. Folks often say, you know, how did you, you plan hacking yourself? And I'm like, no, no, no. Let me stop you there. There's no plan. <laughs> I have no strategy. I have no marketing. I'm just having a lot of fun building things with Swift and breaking things with Swift and fixing it again and breaking it again and fixing it again and then writing about that and sharing my excitement. That's it. That's my entire business plan with Swift. And uh, I, I wanted to point this out because I, I've watched many of, of your videos and such, and I, I have, I've likened you to Bob Ross. 
<laughs> the okay. uh, the oil painter, because you make things just naturally occur during these things. And I, I'm curious, just to peel away some of the veneer, how much scripting goes into this? Because it really feels like, well, we're just going to put a little class of this here, and we're going to put a little structure here, and then we're going to paint a little couple of happy trees over here. Happy little clouds. And then all of a sudden, there's this program that's working just fine, except the difference is, I don't have a big beige blotch of oil paint on a canvas so how how much pre-planning goes into these uh i obviously write a lot about swift and mm. i write a lot of videos about swift and i talk about swift a lot and conferences and so forth i think about swift a lot but i also write a lot of swift right i'm coding a vast amount of swift way more than i did when i was a full-time developer you know, mm -hmm. you think about it, I mean, if you're having fun, sorry, I'm using my dogs. This one's Aria, this one's Luna, and they're quite good dogs when they want to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I was working as a full-time senior developer running a team of people, um, you write some code in a day, a little bit, mm -hmm. maybe like change three or four lines of code, yeah. um, but you write lots of emails. You look at lots of Jira yes. issues, you spend time writing documentation and, and oops, tests and, and going to meetings and going to one-to-ones and whatever. There's vast amounts of work in there that is not just writing code. Mm -hmm. When you're at university, like, you know, 22, 23, fine, you, you get what's called a code monkey job. Sit down, code. Um, but you get more senior, you don't do that anymore. You spend a lot of time not writing code. And so these days, I write way more code than I did when I was a full-time developer. And most of it never sees the light. I write some code and go, that sucks. Throw it away. Do it again. That still sucks. Throw it away. It's like the Monty Python castle in the life of Brian. No, 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 Holy Grail. When you build it, fall down, build it, fall down. Again, again, again. Eventually it stays up. And I like it. And that's the first step. Write a bunch of code to try and solve a problem and say, that sucks. Not good enough. Not good enough. Not good enough. That one I like. Mm -hmm. Then I say, okay, I've got this thing that solved a problem. And I like the code. Can I teach that? Uh, and the answer offered is no because this is like really obscure API or not interesting API and the end of it, I've gone too much work or it took 400 lines to get this right. button to work correctly, whatever. It's not fun and no one would really enjoy following that. So um, does it work? Can I teach it? So a lot of stuff gets written, a lot of stuff gets thrown away. And then the result is, yes, I happen to know the material at the back of my hand because I've gone through it so many times ahead of time, getting exactly right. And so it is all ultimately carefully scripted because I've got to make it, test it, ensure it's as best I can make it before it finally goes out. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, you know, we have a lot of questions, I think, in this vein because we too are content creators. So in your day, okay, do you have like, okay, so this is the block in my day or the couple blocks in my week when I'm going to do that. And then other blocks in your week are for, I don't know, putting, laying on thumbnails on your YouTube videos or writing, you know, write actual writing or responding to emails. Like what is, how do you manage <laughs> I, your time to achieve this? I wish, I wish I have zero time management skills. Um, you know, I, and this, this causes all sorts of problems in my life. Um, and I, I apologize to the folks, this, this hurts directly. Um, I laser focus on one thing at a time. And so uh, other things get pushed to the side very quickly. So for, for example, I, I, I volunteer at the local university. I teach workshops and uh, mentor degree on the uh, students on their thesis. 
I am the chair of the PTA, the Parent Teacher Association at my kids' school. I volunteer there teaching the kids coding. Um, and I'll be like, okay, today's a PTA day. I'm going to do PTA stuff today. I'll design a brochure. I'll send out requests to do the finances, do all in one day, then stop and do something else because I cannot jump around. I'm a terrible, terrible multitasker. And so I have to get it all out in one day, then pause it, then do something else. And so I get these huge backlogs of work. Like my inbox right now is very, very ugly, ugly, horrible place. I don't want to go near that. Quite frankly, there'd be dragons. Um, and... That'll be like in Friday this week, I'll do an inbox day and then try and read some emails for a while. Um, and I'm sure it's deeply frustrating for folks who want reply immediately, but I'm doing my best. No, that was a good answer. It, that is time management. It's just that's that's what works for you. And clearly it's working. It's not so. granular at all. <laughs> it, it, granular. Like <laughs> yeah, but we lose a lot in the context switching. So I think the context switching does not do anything good for us creatively. You know, as creatives, I don't think that helps us. Yeah, I, I think um, I remember seeing like a, a bit of a, 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 a meme, was it a cartoon? I remember about uh, some coder who's like got his headphones on and he's kind of hunched over his laptop thinking or whatever. And he's like, if this, then this, while this. And someone goes, oh, hey, have you seen the coffee machine or something or whatever? Question. And he goes, gone and he can't get back to work again because it's kind of gone and i mean i get the idea behind it i felt it's a little bit self-congratulatory like most professions are like that like if you're a, if you're a master woodworker mm -hmm. you get in the zone you're a great woodworker someone goes pop where's the screwdriver you're like what you know i think coders imagine we're some kind of legendary beasts who get deeply into our brains <laughs> What do you think mathematicians do? <laughs> what do you think poets do? You know, everyone's got this kind of in the zone feeling to it. Actually, I actually had this conversation with my spouse this afternoon, who's an artist, and I didn't realize I was walking in while she was doing some work on Procreate. And I was like, okay, everybody now has to be attentive, and when she's working on it, walk out, leave her alone. And you've ruined it. You've got to delete that one and start again. <laughs> I was curious about, we talked a little bit about Dub Dub and how we think probably we're not going to get live Dub Dub and we're probably not going to get live AltConf or Layers this year again just because of the risk of that. Um, what about hacking with Swift? The live event? Yeah. Um... I you think did an no. online last year, right? The last two years, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think it's not going to happen this year. Um, and it's not because of online in person. I don't mind doing it online. Um, the event is entirely focused on raising money for charity. That's what it is. Right. Every, every cent we make goes to charity. Um, and we raise, we've raised $100,000 um, for a beautiful charity um, called Special Effect, and they custom build video game controllers for profoundly disabled children. Well, that's really so cool. If all you can move is your eyes, 
they will help mm. you play a driving game or if you only have use of like three fingers they'll help you play FIFA and it just brings this it's a really niche charity but it brings this joy uh, back to kids who've been dealt a really bad hand and so they get to have this confidence and creativity and fun with their family and friends and I remember the very first year it was in person and I, we had to play this three minute video of what special effect do so hey, hey folks watch this video and I go off stage and I had really struggled to come back on stage because it's just so beautiful what they do and so we raise money for them and that matters to me I, yeah. I work very very hard to raise money for for them for Black Girls Code for my kids school for the local mm -hmm. homeless charity um, that matters I want to have an impact to the Swift community but also beyond the community however the the mental and emotional and literally physical impact it has on me is very very high um, and you know, running three or four days of eight-hour workshops live on YouTube is really taxing. And not, not just to me, you know, keep in mind, I've got two kids. And so I, I'm right. not being dad for those days, plus all the days the prep it takes to make the material for those days. So my wife has to do extra work galore to make that, make that add up. And so um, I desperately want to carry on raising as much as I can for charity. It really matters to me. But the literally physical problems I have, mental problems and emotional problems that it gives me, I need a break. And so this year, I'm taking a, a, a year off, almost certainly. Um, and I, I hope it's a chance for the community to step up a little bit because I've been to so many events around the world. I love them. I've got some lovely friends from events. But I've been, I've been to some where... You know, it's 500 bucks or whatever the ticket and you go there and it's full of iOS developers who with their MacBook Pros and their iPhones and their iPads and Apple Watches and they're like, oh yeah, now we've, we've, we've rented a boat so you can go on a party boat in the evening. I'm like, well, you could have saved that $5,000 and given that to some charity where they're literally on the streets and they need somewhere to stay. Mm -hmm. These people here, don't get me wrong, I love iOS developers. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot already. <laughs> They're one of the right. richest echelons of developers already. Yeah. Let's give them a little bit less and give it away to somebody else. And so I would love to see more events say, actually, this could be a not-for-profit year. Donate the whole thing to any cause, literally at all, mm. just to help other people. So maybe me not doing an event this year gives other folks just a chance to say, yeah, I'm going to run an event this year online and it'll all be for, and, for a and charity for good yeah i really want to talk to you about please. that because i think that that's um it's sad that this i feel like this is something unique about you but it really is something i think of as part of who you are and your brand is the coding for good is the being very mindful of how we in the tech community and specifically within the ios developer community can do things that are positive for society beyond um going on a party boat which is not an example of something we can do that's positive for society although it sure does sound fun um i i years ago um i we have this thing in the uk and parts of europe and i think some states in the us where the term engineer is a protected word like doctor you can't because you have a doctor or a police officer or whatever. You can't say this because it's legally not allowed to say that, right? Um, in the in the UK, there are some like that. And, and I'm a chartered engineer, which is a protected term for someone who's been clarified, classified as a as an engineer. Obviously, software is my area, but they do electrical, mechanical, you know, chemical and so forth as well. 
it was a long process. You know, you have to work X years and have X qualifications and then write a long essay, get supporting evidence from other colleagues about the things you've done over the years. And they ask you a bunch of questions, then interview you in person. Da, da, da. And in this massive long form, like thousands and thousands of words, they ask a bunch of questions and never once do they say, hey, which architecture do you like using? Or, hey, do you tabs versus spaces? Or MVC versus MVVM? They say things like, what have you done to mentor others? What have you done to provoke, promote the environment and environmental care? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of folks would go, MVVM? <laughs> that's, that's not an answer. You know? In fact, in fact I, so as part of my uh, subscription program, um, I have this, everyone gets a free gift every year. And they, this, these are the samples for the year two gift. I can hold to the camera so you can read it. Um, this, this is a magnet, a fridge magnet. And it says, it says you read that maybe? Code is not the point. Stop arguing about MVVM and use your skills to build something amazing. And we can get so lost in this idea that, oh, yes, my architecture is significantly superior to your architecture, whatever you're using, which what I'm using, mine's just better, right? That's not the point. We're not here to build and talk about architecture. We're here to change the world with the skills we have and build something amazing to transform lives, whether that is helping someone catalog their amazing tiger collection or play the guitar better or some of the amazing fitness things that have happened with Apple Watch and similar, we can use our skills to transform the world. And uh, I want to see more folks do that, to step up and understand what it means to use our skills wisely. And yes, that does mean very, very clearly we've got to help people outside of our very wealthy, very well-off Apple developer community. We wish we had more time to fit the entire interview, but if you want to see everything we said, you can watch the entire episode on YouTube in just a few weeks. Paul, um, I could probably keep going for the next hour, and I know that it's getting close to about 10.30 or 11 your time. Um, I'd really appreciated that you've come out at this hour to, uh, to join us on the show. I, I am going to actually pause for a second and say, do you have anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to talk about? No, I, I think I've suitably hopefully shamed folks into doing some charity work <laughs> that's the, the most important thing to me you know giving some contributions back to the rest of the world would be the important thing if i do anything else no honestly i think i'm i'm very happy thank you i i really appreciate your time i could not have done this episode without susanna's help the the research that she does in between our episodes is is completely beyond pale um paul thank you so much for being on the show i really do appreciate it it is it's been my pleasure. And if folks take away only one thing, please make it be code is not the point. That's not why we're here, folks. To argue about tabs and space or MVC and BVM, that is not the point. The, the destination is is not the journey, right? We're, we're, we're learning these things and discussing these things to try and do something. And it doesn't matter how small that thing is. Maybe the to-do list app you want to make will genuinely save thousands of hours of time. It doesn't matter. Whatever itch you've got, scratch it and help other folks solve the same problem. Use your skills to make a difference to the world. That's all that matters. I know that feeling. I've got a, I've got a countdown timer on my desktop for my personal itch project that I know I want to launch on a specific date and, and I'm just working toward it. It's, it's something deeply in my heart that I, I've been working on. And I always feel that the best software comes from those the, for those things inside that you want fixed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hence my Latin app, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. a Greek one too. Uh, trust me, I was doing the 
Greek translations to English. I had to go through, you know, Aristophanes or whoever, and I had to go through uh, Euclid or, or Euclid would say in English normally, the mathematician. And Greek to English, Attic Greek to English is usually quite hard anyway, but mathematical Attic Greek to English, really, that aged me. That aged me. <laughs> but, it, but it was my itch to scratch, and it's been mm-hmm. very popular. So right. You're absolutely right. It's that what, intersection of technology and the liberal arts, right, that makes our hearts sing. That's what Steve Jobs would say. Uh, and it's absolutely true. Find something you love. Surfing, cross-stitching, guitars. I don't really care what it is. Whatever you are passionate about, go out there and make it. And if you, you see that thing recently on, on Twitter, sorry, you want to end the episode and hear me chatting away. Someone made this like um, uh roadmap learning through apps how to build ios apps and it was huge it was core data and realm or whatever and then objective c was here as well and core graphic information and i kind of wanted to get like an eraser and go draw something through it and say just make something you love swift ui at the end of this might be a bit of fun but yeah something you love because that's kind of the key just get out there and something you love make something that changes the world for you or for your friends or your family or your kids or whatever because there's one and a half billion people out there with iphones that's a gigantic wow. audience one percent of one percent is a good audience still so yeah i love that <laughs> I get makes passionate sometimes like this <laughs> make something you love change the world and if there were better words to end this show on, I don't, I don't think there are. Paul, thank you again for being on the show. You can find Paul all over the place, videos, books, uh, tutorials, 100 Days of Swift, 100 Days of Swift UI, Hacking with Swift, and of course, on Twitter at Two Straws. Which is a question I never I got to ask, but... Oh, too late now, you know? <laughs> too late now. We'll save that for the time that we get you back on the show. Susanna, you, can, Susanna you can find online at Suzgupta, S-U-Z-G-U-P-T-A. I am Podcast Drew. In our next episode, we're going to bring on Jeff Rames and Liam Moral-Schonenstein, and they're going to talk about preparing for an iOS interview and things to know and ways to get through that experience. After that, we're going to bring Brian Capitz on following episode, and he'll bring us up to speed on what we should know about Flutter and how we can learn more. But in the meantime, that's going to wrap things up for this episode. I want to thank Paul for being on the show. I want to thank Susanna for helping me out. I am Podcast Drew for Drew Freeman. We send things back to the Emerald Castle. Ray, back to you. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. <laughs>